You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6 1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OKSIS, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly! As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood! Hello and welcome back to OKSIS Podcast. My name is Mads. I am Scout, and we're so happy that you're here. For anyone who is new, this is OKSIS Podcast, hosted by two sisters IRL. Mads is my younger sister. We interview rad female guests and talk about everything from mental health to entrepreneurship to pop culture. Is Maddie yawning at me in Uh, the background? Is that How did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. The sisters deserve better. The sisters oh my God, yeah, I just better. yawned because I was like so bored of that. Oh my God. Okay. Anyways, uh, um, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the sisterhood. Hello. Hello. Oh my God. This, this episode is wow. I feel like we haven't had something like this where it's very expert driven, informational, but also extremely personal. Yeah, I know. I, it was so let's like back up a little bit. We had Allie Cates on. She's a trauma coach and she's absolutely phenomenal. Such an incredible human being. And 
it's such a loaded topic, trauma, sisters. You know, we all experience trauma on a different level, whether it's little T trauma, big T trauma, multiple traumas, et cetera. And so the whole time I was like, I need five hours. And so I felt like I was pulling myself back from really, 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 really going there because I'm like, maybe we should have recorded this not 9.30 in the morning before a day work. I'm going to have to go shake. Like I'm going to have to go shake my body right now because we really got into some things that was so helpful. After listening to this, Okay, this is we're going to start a movement on social meds. Everyone after listening to this, take a video of yourself shaking and looking like a ridiculous person and we'll do the same. Shaking, somatic breathing and like shaking your booty, shaking your tuchus, whatever it feels good to like release in your body. And then tag us and we're going to be like the cool kids on the internet. Yeah. And for those of you who are like, what are they talking about? Listen to this episode. You'll, she goes into <laughs> great detail about it. Um, yeah. So anyways, sisters, we hope you enjoy. I know Mads and I really, really got a lot out of this interview. So um, you can follow yeah. Allie at AllieKates.co. We'll put it in the show notes. But other than that, enjoy. Enjoy. Taylor Love. Taylor who? Oh my God. Yeah. We're from the same area. Yeah. And now she lives in Nashville. Yeah. 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 Love her. Yeah, She's yeah. a good friend. Very jealous of her. I'm jealous of anyone that lives in Nashville. I mean, it's very well documented on this podcast, um, how much I'm obsessed with Nashville, but I, I don't know if you've been as into the era's tour content as I have, but I literally the other day, cause I, I mean, I consume, I mean, it comes up on my FYP all the time, but I specifically search for Taylor Swift, Nashville shows and watched every single video that existed on the internet. I don't know why Nashville just, I feel this like pull towards it. And then also Maddie, Maddie Healy was there and there's been rumors and that's been fun. That's so cool to watch. I feel like I watched it live. I watched it live on TikTok and like, I don't even need to go to the concert because I've watched this whole thing on TikTok. I mean, I have to go to the concert. Like it just is, it's in, I need to see it for myself in my own eyeballs. But yes, I have basically seen yeah. the entire concert. Yeah. Like I know exactly what's going to happen, you know. Scout, are you a Taylor fan? Yeah, just let yeah. me know when I should enter into the podcast. Yeah. She's like, Scout's like, I'm waiting for my cue. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, okay, that concludes the Taylor Swift update of the podcast. Every episode has to have one. Yes. So Scout, <laughs> kick it off. Okay, sisters, since I don't have, remember, like I was just realizing the other day that we were on the podcast and you were talking to someone, you were talking about the Eras tour and I was like, <laughs> what's that? And it's just such, it's such a good indication of where I'm at in my life. Okay, sisters, we have Allie Cates on the podcast. A little backstory as to how I know Allie. Allie went through our podcast tour academy at Scott's Agency where we teach people to get them as guests on podcasts. And I got to know her really well over the six weeks because it ended up being like a really intimate, supportive container, which is not what I expected creating it. And she's incredible. She's a trauma specialist, informed coach. You can say the right words, Allie. I'm sorry. I don't have your bio in front of me because we're more casual here. You guys, you sisters will see her work is so important. She's made for podcasting. She's made for the work that she's doing and she's making such an impact in the world. So I was like, you know what? Get your little tuchus on OKSIS podcast and chat with Mads and myself. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, you guys. I love it. And the podcast tour was the most incredible thing I've done for my business thus far. Like, Scout, you are a queen. Wait, we need that. We need that snipped and clipped. Scout, put it on on the... 
the reviews, the testimonials. Oh, yeah. Allie I already sent a video, sent a video testimony. I already got so. it. Don't you even worry. I got you hooked up. Wow. <laughs> even a video testimonial. That's like next level. I know. Wow. Um, well, I am so excited to chat with you. I think this is a topic that we haven't really covered that much on OKSIS. And I think something that I'm really curious to learn more about is capital T trauma and lowercase t trauma. Is that the right yeah. verbiage? Because I think when we think of trauma, you know, we might think of death or rape or like these very, very intense moments. And obviously there are people listening that have gone through those. So definitely want to touch on that. But I think there's also something, you know, people think like, oh, you know, I didn't go through those in big, big life-changing moments or traumatic moments. So do I have trauma and do I, do I have access to this type of process or information because I didn't, I didn't go through that. So I would love to hear a little bit about how you got into this work and, and how we can kind of untangle the different types of trauma. Yeah. So I'll kind of give you my reader's digest version of how I got into this work because it's pretty long, but essentially it started when my husband and I were 22. We lost three people in nine and a half months and it brought up all of my pain and trauma. And I had suppressed all of this stuff for, you know, a rainy day essentially. And I remember just feeling at my lowest low. And then I remember calling a trauma coach in town. I was at my lowest low, you know, having suicidal ideation. I was on a bike ride. So I was like, I just, I was like itching, you know, that feeling when you're like, I need to get out. Like my skin was like itchy. And he called me and he was like, you know, I work with veterans, but I've worked with veterans for 40 years. And he's like, you're not, you're probably not going to believe me, but what you're experiencing is trauma. And he was like, I can help you. And it is stored in the body. And I remember just crying because I had tried all of these things for my mental health before that I had tried, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy, EMDR, um, neuroplasticity, which is like the brain rewiring and just to name a few, right? Tapping, which is like EFT. And I just kind of always felt lost. Like, can I swear on this podcast? I'm pretty sure I can, but just want to double check. Oh, okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Like I call myself a scrappy motherfucker. Like if you tell me to do something, I will totally figure it out. So with my mental health, I took the same approach, but nothing was moving the needle. So fast forward three years, I was working with him for intense three years of trauma recovery. And then three weeks before my husband, and I get married, I get diagnosed with late stage Lyme and like five other autoimmune conditions. We come back from our honeymoon and I sit in an IV room for nine and a half months, three to four times a week, six to eight hours a day, literally broken down to my core. And I knew enough about trauma to know that if it's not moved out of the body, it's it's stored in the body, right? So then it manifests as like either IBS, autoimmune, disease, cancer, like it shows up in these ways. I knew enough about it in that capacity. So I knew that like this experiencing was just helping me understand it more and like have more of a lived experience because I had suppressed a lot of sexual trauma that had happened to me and it was coming up in dreams, et cetera. So that's how I got into it is like, I never thought I would be in this space. Literally, if you told me out of college, I went to college in San Diego and I like went for communication. I wanted to be like the next Aaron Andrews. I wanted to sit on the side of the football field and I wanted to talk to all the cute boys and like just be around all the testosterone. Like I was not, there was no way that trauma was going to be a part or mental health was going to be a part of my life and my business and my journey, but I'm here. And then your other question around trauma, like how do we kind of identify trauma is really when we go to the basis of it. Cause right now it's like really trendy. People are talking about it a lot. You see a lot of TikToks and social media, 
but you know, it's really anything that left your nervous system in a space of fight or flight for longer than it takes to outrun a metaphorical tiger, right? So we need fight or flight to live, but our bodies get stuck in fight or flight. Yeah. So there's like little T traumas, which are like, you know, the smaller things, like if someone is bullying you or talking down to you, et cetera, and you have those. And then there's bigger T traumas, which we think of, like you said, car accidents, rape, war, et cetera. And enough little T traumas can show up like a big T trauma. Yeah. I was going to say that's really important to break down because I think people assume that if they aren't dealing with a big T trauma, then they shouldn't or they think there's something wrong with them or they're not understanding what's wrong because it can be that like buildup of multiple things over the course of your life. I have one question. So when you experienced those deaths at 22 and you said that you were storing a lot of pain and trauma, so there, there was already something that happened in your childhood that you were suppressing that then that another trauma that happened basically instigated all of that. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So I yeah. had been raped at 15 and lost my virginity that way. And like, I knew that that was something that I was holding on to. And then I also had sexual trauma in my childhood as well. And that was something that I completely disassociated from. So these deaths brought up both of those in a big way. So they were showing up like I had IBS so bad. I was constantly bloated. Like I was holding just so much in like my stomach and pelvic area. And that's something that, you know, the more that I learned about trauma, it's so interesting because we're all talking about health and wellness right now, but it's like, we don't talk about the emotional component of it. Like we can take all the supplements, we can do all the protocols, but like your body's going to hold on to that trauma depending on where, you know, it's showing up. And like IBS is like a huge one that gets, I think they just started talking about it, that it wasn't a stomach thing. It was more of a nervous system thing. I think they just started talking about that recently. It's so interesting to me, Ali, because I think that this conversation around our mental health state is showing up in physical symptoms is starting to be at the forefront. And it's always been so interesting to me because you go to a doctor and they say that stress, and I'm just going to flip it on the other side before I ask a question, like stress causes physical diseases, right? But nobody talks about how, well, if that's true, that means healthy healing and healthy mental health promotes physical healing too. Like there's the opposite and people are always so afraid to go to the opposite. Like a, a regular doctor will tell you that stress creates disease, but they won't tell you that curing your mental health or healing your mental health or working on your traumas, et cetera, will actually heal your physical health at the same time. And it's weird that it's always been like a narrative on one side versus a narrative on the other. So when we're talking about storing emotions in our body, the first time I ever heard that concept was when I was doing yoga and doing my yoga teacher training, because they said, you store a lot of emotions in your hips. And when you move certain ways, you can really release emotions. So what are some Like, what are some tools that we can use? Do you do embodiment work? What are some physical tools that we can use to start to get in touch with that that area that we're holding on to? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is like exactly that. Like what you're talking about is just recognizing where you hold it, right? So a lot of people are like walking around with like their shoulders up here and they're not conscious of it at all. Or like their chest is tight or they feel, you know, when you feel anxiety, you feel it in your body first, right? So- like just noticing where you're feeling it. 
stomach, pelvis, you know, hips, like all of that, just doing a body scan. So if you don't even know what that is, it's like starting at the top of your head, scanning your body down and noticing the jaw, like TMJ. A lot of women will be like, I'm getting Botox for my TMJ. And like, honestly, if you actually just work the trauma out of your body, you wouldn't need TMJ, but like, that's a whole other subject or you wouldn't need Botox mm-hmm. for your TMJ. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just doing a body scan and noticing where it is. And then if it's in your hips, like doing some hip shaking, you can like look this up on TikTok right now, which is really cool. But you can look up like TRE, which is trauma release exercises with your hips and just allowing your hips to shake because when you actually discharge pain, it looks like shaking, right? That's like where, that's like actually how you discharge the emotional charge. One of the ways, right? So if it's the hips, I would look that up on TikTok is like, I think, yeah, yeah. Trauma release exercises and just, or put like hip shaking trauma and you'll find, um, videos. And then if it's like your jaw, like pushing on your jaw, releasing your jaw, when you let out trauma out of your body, you want three things, you want breath movement and sound. So like what Scout was talking about, like using these kind of embodiment techniques to actually feel into your body and letting out what's there. I mean, it's helpful a lot of people get stuck because they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing this wrong. Am I doing this right? Right. So it'd be helpful. Like if you are working with like a yoga practitioner that does that work or, you know, a coach that can help you find those tools would be really helpful too. Let's talk about bloating and IBS because that is definitely, I, I mean, I saw you go like know, you were like, I, uh, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Mads, real fast before you ask that question, I never had digestive problems until our parents got mm. divorced. And then immediately I had digestive problems and I've had digestive problems ever since then. And that's when I knew that my digestive problems were linked to my emotional, my emotions when I was like 18. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, so I've finally taken the step to figuring out what's going on with my bloatation and digestive system. I've been seeing a nutritionist and the reason I love her, she also incorporates a lot of this emotional thing. So she asked me, yeah, like how, when did this start? What was the impetus of it? For as long as I can remember, I've always had bloating and digestive issues, but it really started to kick off when I went on birth control. And that's pretty much the same time around the divorce as well. So I think there was like a lot of just shifting in that moment. Also something, just side note, is if you're a C-section baby, you will have insane digestion issues, I just learned. So Lily, we got a um, Scout's baby, Lily. We got to make sure she has her supplements and her emotional well-being in in check. Anyways, but- Something, you know, I, I read You Can Heal Your Life by Louise oh, Hay. So good. And so yeah, good. which we, we love, love and we, we advocate for. But I'm going to say something a little, a little controversial and maybe you can help me get out of this is there's a whole section, right? Of like, you could heal your body. And she talks about all like different symptoms and how, and you know, she talks about IBS and it's, you know, just how you could change it with your mind. I struggle a little bit with that because I don't think it's the entire picture. I do believe it's a big part, but I also feel like there are obviously tweaks to my diet and ways that I'm exercising that are going to help me. But yes, of course, a huge part of it is the emotional side of things. So when when we're talking about bloated, bloating and IBS, because this is just something I'm going through right now, what, is, what does that look like when you're releasing that from your body? Yeah. 
Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Such a good question. I mean, you know, 
Let me back up a second and just say like, I'm so proud of you for going on that journey because that is like a long journey and it's so hard and like, it's a lot and it's, it's a lot of emotional stuff just to deal with the tests and the doctors. So I totally get it and hear you. It's a lot. Yeah. I had to poop in, I had to poop in a cup and it was mortifying. (laughs) Talk about trauma. Talk about trauma. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's rough. Um, but I will say too, is like I had IBS and all the stuff, a lot of bloating and And when we get kind of down to it, you know, is that if your polyvagus nerve, which is sitting right here, and there's like a valve right here, if that is turned on, meaning it never shuts off, you're going to get digestive issues. And the reason why it's turned on is because you're probably in fight or flight, right? So we have this like body connection too, and that's where you have SIBO, candida, IBS, all the other things like overgrowth that's happening in there, that's it's connected, right? So your polyvagus nerve literally controls your whole nervous system. I mean, it's sending signals everywhere to your hormones, to your adrenals, to your endocrine system, et cetera. Yeah. And something I learned, which was really shocking to me. So I, I'm a big worker outer. I love like very intense, Mm. sweaty hit so like spinning hot yoga. Like I want to like schwitz. It's, I obviously get the like dopamine from it. It's more about mental clarity for me. But this woman that I've been seeing has said to me, actually those workouts are literally putting your, your body in fight or flight. And it's, you're feeding off of stress hormones when you're going on those workouts. So she told me, which it's going to be an adjustment, but we're going to do it. Um, she says, I can only go on walks and do light yoga and light Pilates moving forward, which was a shock to me. Cause I was like, wait, no, like if I want to get skinny, I got to run, I got to go to hot yoga and not skinny, but just like feel less bloated or feel lighter and leaner. So that was an interesting moment. Cause she, and, and what you had just said is if you put your body in fight or flight positions, yeah. like a soul cycle class that's like you're running for your life. That actually is worse for your body and makes, and it stores in your body and then makes you bloated. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, and when you think about it, like when we talk about trauma, there's like a trauma cycle or a stress cycle. So I'm going to kind of describe this for you if you're like a visual learner, but at the top you have a trigger, you go into fight or flight, then you have a discharge and you go into rest and digest. So we heal and rest and digest. We heal in what's called parasympathetic, right? Most people get triggered and they go into fight or flight. They get triggered and they go into fight or flight and they build this emotional charge that gets stored in the body. So then all of us, because our bodies are incredible, our bodies like, no, we're trying to get this discharge to happen. So we're doing things like hit exercises, we're running, we're sprinting, we're overriding our bodies all the time, trying to get this discharge to happen because we inherently know that we need to be here to heal, right? So we're doing these things and what actually like, Maddie, I'm curious, like if you were actually to listen to your body and be like, do I want to go to a soul cycle today? Like, does my body want to go to a soul cycle class today? I'm probably going to guess because I've been there most of the time. It's like, no, but I need to override this and I need to push past my body because I know it's going to help me feel a little bit better because I'm going to get a dopamine hit. But if you can actually get your body into that space of rest and digest, this, your your hormones aren't going to be pumping that high, Right. So then your body's going to be able to relax. It's going to be able to actually heal because it's going to be like, oh, I'm already resting. So most people that, I mean, this is where like eating disorders happen, et cetera, is because they're trying to get that discharge. They're trying to get that, that release to happen and they don't know any other way to get it. Also, I feel like there's, 
there's so much information. I mean, all those types of workouts that Maddie did, like I couldn't do them. Like my adrenals yep. would get fried out, my whole body would fry, and I'd be a full body stop. There's a lot of conversation happening around how those workouts, and you know, don't quote me, I'm not a doctor in this, but that those types of workouts, those intense for women specifically, are not supportive to our hormones and the way our you know emotional regulation, all that. Like maybe it's more fit for a man to really go after that kind of stuff, but with our monthly cycles those really, really, really intense workouts actually do more harm to our, to our nervous system and to our hormone system than it does good. Completely. And I, I mean, when you're thinking about it, like where you are in your cycle and your hormones, and if you are still on birth control, like I'm a huge proponent of actually knowing your cycle. Cause I had a whole endometriosis journey with this yeah. too, is like, I was on birth control for a long time, got off of it. And then actually had endometriosis. So like, there's a lot of things that can play into you know, your body and what's happening and your stomach and all of that. So totally. What are some ways that we can discharge that in a healthy way? I mean, right. So whenever you're discharging, you need the breath, you need sound and you need movement. So some ways are like the TRE, the hip shaking, you know, doing somatic experiencing, getting into your body. Like, do you ever, I know this sounds kind of foreign and crazy, but like a lot of women have a ton of repressed anger because we don't know how to do it. So like even just like screaming into a pillow, punching a pillow to like get the anger out in a healthy way, because we specifically women suppress it and then it goes into our bodies. And then we're like being a jerk when we're drinking or we are being super anxious or we're resentful, et cetera. So, um, even just shaking, like literally shaking your body and your hands just to like get into your body can be really helpful and letting out sound. Like I know it sounds a little crazy and people are like, what are you talking about? But letting your body actually like process what's coming up and letting the emotions go through you so you're not suppressing them. That's so good because my coach is really has been uh, jumping and really being bringing embodiment to the forefront. She's been talking about embodiment for the last two or three years. And so I've dabbled a little bit into it. And for some reason, I find even like embodiment can be healing. But also the other day, like this song came on on the radio and I felt this deep, intense joy move through my body, but I was afraid to express it because I was like in a car and someone could see me next, whatever. And I was like, no, I have this emotion that I want to move through me fully the same way like we want anger and shame to move through us so we can discharge it. You know, I don't want to discharge the joy, but you know what I mean? And I just like moved my body in the car like no one was watching because that helped me integrate that joy. And whenever I do that, like it feels like a primal yes. movement and it feels very embarrassing even when no one's watching. There's this, um, there's a lit culture theory. It's a philosophy that even when we're not, we're alone, we still feel like we're being watched, which is like a societalistic philosophy that we have. Um, and so we, I could be alone and I'll do an embodiment session. I'll put on a song and I'll move my body in weird ways. I'll make weird yes. sounds. I'll cry. I'll like jump up and down. And it's embarrassing in the beginning, but once you can like get through that, it's such a great release. And so I'm so happy you're talking about this because we're so quick, what you said earlier, to disassociate or to stuff all this down, et cetera. Can you, because I mean, I am someone who, you know, my mental health journey, I feel like I've been very, 
I've met my emotions very head on. And still I've realized that there's been things that I've suppressed in the big T trauma zone that I didn't even know was real in my life. And I think it's this incredible human defense mechanism that also hurts us over a long period of time. It makes us incredibly unconscious of our patterns and why we're behaving the way we're behaving. What is the first step to someone? Because when someone is disassociated or when someone has stuffed down their trauma and they're just saying, oh, I have headaches or, oh, I have stomach problems or, oh, I'm always anxious and they just feel like it's just this thing that they have and, you know, it's out of their control. What's the first step to acknowledging trauma head on? Because it's an incredibly, incredibly delicate process that is so heavy sometimes for all of us. So for anyone listening who like knows that thing that they got in the back of their head, I've got mine right now, but they're too afraid to jump in. What's that first step? Yeah, I would say just acknowledge, like what you said, just acknowledging it. Like, I think we're always running away from, and you know, myself and clients included, we're always like, I don't want to see this big thing, this big scary monster that's over here that I know is over here, but I'm ignoring it. So just acknowledging it, whether you're saying it out loud, whether you're saying it to like a coach or a friend or a loved one and saying like, this is like, do you have space for this? Can I talk to you about this? Right? Like, yes, talking can only get us so far, but I think actually just acknowledging it is the first step. Oftentimes with trauma, there's like direct approaches that we can take, which is like doing myofascial technique or you know, getting really intense into like what's actually happening and moving with the body and working with the body. There's also kind of like side door approaches is what I call it. So that's why I love somatic experiencing is what I'm getting trained in because we don't have to talk about the event for you to complete the full cycle. We can come at it at a side angle or like a window. You know, I like to think of your life as a house. So we can come through it as like a little side window and be like, okay, Where is this in your body? And then resourcing a healthy place in your body so that you can digest. It's almost like I talk about somatic experiencing is like you're adding digestive enzymes to your diet. So you're getting these like slow, like small digestible things that you can digest. But I would say the first thing is just like acknowledging it and giving yourself grace and space to be like, I do need a little bit more support in this in a bigger way or asking yourself like, am I ready to go here with myself because oftentimes we're not ready. Yeah. Where does, we're just talking about it, just not serve us anymore. Yeah, I mean, because where does like talking about it, like re traumatize, like reliving it. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talking about it, it's a talk therapy is a top down approach, right? So you're working with the head first. Somatic experiencing everything is a bottom up approach, right? So it's like with trauma, it's stored in the body. It's specifically stored in the fascia tissue. Your fascia tissue holds a thousand pounds of emotional charge. So you can't out talk that shit, right? Like if you're going to yoga, if you go on a run, if you're in soul cycle, I don't know, Maddie, if you've had this where you just start like crying and you're like, oh Oh, my gosh. Yeah, literally. You're like, like, party of one. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, because you're touching on that heavy material that got stored in your, you're touching on that cycle that didn't get a complete. And so it got stored in your body, whether you were 10 years old, five years old, 20 years old, and your body's actually releasing it in that space. Right. So that's your fascia tissue moving. Or when you get a massage, people are like, I'm crying, like, or a facial, right. And so like the first thing, like going back to your point though, Scout was like just acknowledging that and being like, Ooh, there's something more here that I need to work through. It's kind of like an iceberg. I feel like, right. For sure. Let's talk about victim mentality. And 
how one can overcome it. Because I can imagine, especially with big T trauma, you might be avoiding it because you don't want to feel like a victim. And so what, what do you suggest for getting over that? But I also, you know, I also think of it in the terms of the little T trauma because I've noticed recently there are way like areas in my life where I feel like I am playing the victim and it's very, it's much more like career oriented or, you know, fear of the uncertainty and things of that nature. and being like, why is this happening to me? Yada, yada. So I'm sure the, the suggestions can kind of be applied to both, but how do, how do we approach victim mentality and like being really honest with ourselves? I think that's something I've learned with victims is like just being honest of, oh yeah, like I'm feeling like a victim in this and I don't want to play small anymore. I don't want to feel this low self-worth in this moment. So I'm going to choose a different path, but would love to hear your suggestions. Yeah. I mean, I think when we talk about this in the trauma world, people are always like, you're blaming the victim or you're bypassing your emotions. And I just want to like lay it out. Like we're not doing that here. We're talking about like, for me, victim mode was that I would like put on Beyonce and be like, no one can fuck with me. And I'm like Beth Dutton, if you come for me and question anything that I'm doing. Right. So like that, I was like fight mode with my words. I was like, I'm going to fight you with my words. I'm literally can drop you to your knees like Beth Dutton. You guys watch Yellowstone, right? Or you have, or you know who I'm talking no. about. <gasps> no, we don't know what you're talking about, but it's okay. People, people listening okay, will know. People listening will know. But anyway, <laughs> she's this character who like her words just like tear you down. Like you're like, oh, I felt that in my body. And that was me because of the fight mode. So my mentality was like, all these things have happened to me and like, woe was me. And I can't accomplish these things because of all these things that have happened to me. My mental health is struggling. You don't understand it. Like I've been through all this shit and like, we've barely touched on all the stuff. Right. But like I was staying in that for so long until someone came along and held up a mirror and said, Allie, there's actually another way. Like your past does not have to define your present and your future. And you don't have to be a victim of your circumstance. You can actually be the creator in this. And the minute that I found that, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much empowerment in that, right? And especially when we talk about like sexual trauma or trauma in general, it's like, it's very dark. It's very heavy. It's very like, I don't want to touch that. But like, I will scream this from the rooftops for as loud as I'm alive. It's like, you do not have to let your past define your present and your future. I'm literally walking proof of that. So are you guys like, you don't have to. And there is another way by choosing different thoughts, by trying to learn a different strategy of how you're waking up in the morning. Like, how you start your day. Right. And I know it's not just like, like you were talking about Louise Hay and it like, yes, it's not just about new thoughts and affirmations. It's also about like really feeling in your body that there is a new way. So we have to bring the body online. For me, the victimhood was my go-to, you know, probably a defense mechanism to keep me from actually looking at it and moving through the healing process. So I was always like, wow, this is out of my control. This is happening to me. I don't know what you want me to do. I, I, you know, I gave my power away to my mental illness and other traumas that I've experienced in my life. And while I always say like, yeah, that's real. Like if you have suffered an extreme big T trauma, if you are, you know, children of divorce, if you've been sexually assaulted or raped, if you have mental illnesses, if you have physical diseases, whatever it is, that's real. 
And it doesn't serve the next step of your life to stay in just that step of the process. Like to say, yeah, this is happening and it sucks and it's not what I would choose should I have the choice over whether this thing happened to me or not. But I realized that like I was just staying right there when there's a whole other world out there, which is, okay, this happened, but it doesn't actually serve me to stay in the victimhood mentality. And like you said, it's not bypassing that it happened. It's not, you know, denying that it happened. It's not like just smile and move on. It's really like what is going to empower you and serve you and your health and your future and your expansion now that this has happened to you? Like, what are you going to do about it next? And that action and decision and choice, I believe we always have, like we always have. And that is so empowering. I think too, is like, I wouldn't be sitting here today with you if I stayed in that, right? I would still be. Yeah, neither. Yeah, right. Like none of us would be (laughs) sitting here. Like I would probably still be, you know, like with my physical health, it's like, I would still be in that space of like, oh, I have this thing so I can't work or I can't do this or I can't X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yes, Some days are harder. Some days I'm more tired. Some days, but that's not my identity. And I've had to really like, and you even reminded me that you like gave me a little mirror moment in the podcast or Academy where you're like, okay, like we were talking about something and I was like, I'm so tired. You're like, that's not your identity. And I was like, great, like good call out for me because I'm like, it's not like, and you have to continually separate like the things that are happening to you from your identity and who you are. I think a lot of us get that intertangled and I'm still working on it, right? It's a ever evolving process. Mm. What does it feel like for you to be in touch and in tune and in alignment with your body? And I want everyone also listening to ask this to themselves. This is something that I've been considering lately, especially as I go through this journey. And we've talked about this on the pod before, that that really amazing quote of, you can't hate your body into loving it. Mm. And, you know, there's, I've been also toying with the idea of just, you know, body neutrality, where it's, you know, if you can't get to loving your body, which is a very, you know, long process and a healing process in itself, even just recognizing that it's this awesome vessel for you to experience life and to go through and to even just be grateful for having it, right? So that's kind of this body neutrality because I think even just the shame and the hating is is like pushing the trauma even deeper and deeper. So talk to us about like, how do you know when it's like, oh, I'm in alignment? Like, what does it feel like for you? That's such a good question. You know, I answer this, like I was a swimmer growing up. So like water is always like something that I go back to. And it feels like jumping in the pool on like a warm kind of day. And it's like the temperature is like the same, you know, it's like just a floaty, like feeling where there's not a lot of constriction. I'm not feeling like tense or weighed down. So to me, it's always kind of like, like doing breaststroke through like a nice kind of like pool or warm body of water. Like that's how it feels like to me. Scout, how does it feel like to you? You know, it's such a good question. It's probably the best question you've ever asked, Mads. Um, (laughs) You know, I think it is. It really is like one of the best questions you've ever asked. I think that I've been pretty disconnected from my body. I was never like a worker outer. I never liked physical movement. I think that I've had, I think that I have stored a lot of my mental health problems in in my body and just not moving it consistently throughout my life. I haven't developed that relationship with it, like take away the trauma. Like I just haven't developed that type of relationship with it. I got 
boobs at a very young age, at 13. And I felt like a lot of guys, older men would look at me. And so I got used to like hiding my body and putting big clothing on myself and wearing sports bras that like suffocated me and stuff. And so I've, it's not that I've always hid my body because I think it's, it's like I go back and forth so many times. And I think this year I've committed more to myself or I think getting pregnant, to be honest, like getting pregnant fully awakened me into what my body is. And that was a really insane process because I'm someone who is incredibly aligned. Like I can really touch into all my chakras except my sacral chakra. Like it's gone. Like I don't even know what it is or where it is or how it feels like. And so I've always said that I feel most in my body when my solar plexus is like firing, when I feel really energetic and like almost like there's a vitality, there's a vibrancy, there's like a buzzing vibrancy to me. That's when I feel most aligned in my body. But when I really take a, a bigger look at it, there's a lot of places that I've shut off intentionally or, or unconsciously. And that would be my sacral chakra. But getting pregnant was like a huge awakening for me as to what my body's capable of and how it feels. And so right now, it's kind of a loaded question because I just finished breastfeeding and I'm officially done with the physical responsibility of carrying and birthing and sustaining a baby. And as beautiful as that was and amazing of an experience, it was incredibly traumatic because my body belonged to somebody else. And just in that statement for anyone who has any sort of sexual trauma or that like statement has historically meant something terrible, right? And so I'm finding myself getting confused now that I'm done because I was getting my eyebrows done and I was like talking to the, to the lady giving, you know, she's amazing. We were having this whole conversation and I was like, I feel like I now have to reattach myself to my body yeah. because suddenly my body was like a physical, it was a utility that birthed and created life. It did it a beautiful, beautiful thing. So now I'm in that, I'm really in that reprocess. So I don't have an answer to that right now because I feel like I have to re- reintroduce myself to it and re-meet it in a different way because it's been through a lot and a lot of it is traumatic from getting cut open from a c-section like so I don't know I, I actually don't have an answer I have no idea what it feels like at this yeah. point thanks for sharing that you had a c-section yeah have you done any like embodiment practices after in these how old is Lily she's like 10 months Oh, six, six months. months. Okay. Have you done any like embodiment stuff? Now I'm starting to like, it's like now that I'm done breastfeeding, I feel ready to do all of the things, yeah. but there's like a lot, like even when I just think about my scar, like there's a lot of like icky, like scared feelings around it. And that's, that's in my sacral chakra. Like that's right there. That's like attached to my creativity, my pleasure, all those things. And it's something that I have to look at now. And I think I'm ready to. So yeah, I will get back yeah. to you. I'm going to do hypnotherapy next month. Yeah. I feel like, where are you feeling this right now when you talk about it? I feel like it's really here. Uh, it's, I mean, it's in my chest and it's in my sacral chakra yeah. Yeah. area. Yeah. It just feels like you go through births and you go through all the things and you're in it. So it's just like this thing that you're doing, right? And you know it's intense, but you're in it. And then all of a sudden it's done and you're like, holy fuck, what was that to my body? Yeah. 
holy shit. (laughs) And now I'm like in that process of like, okay, now I need to figure out what it feels like to feel aligned in my body again. Yeah. The sacral chakra is huge. It's huge, especially for women. You're right. Creativity, sexual, all of that. I mean, you know, it's really interesting. The more that I'm learning about childbirth specifically is like a big thing that happens is women will start to shake. And that's like the thing that freaks them out. But that's actually your body's way of discharging. So then when you go. I actually didn't shake. I heard about that. My mom, it happened to my mom. And so she made sure to terrify me before I did not shake. That did not happen. So that's actually, but that's actually the way that you're, so most women will be like, oh my gosh, give me, you know, give the doctors be like, oh, we can give you medication for this. Cause it's happened with me coming out of surgery. I'll be like shaking. And what I've learned Mm. is like, that's actually my body's way of discharging. But then the doctors will be like, here's medication. So you stop shaking. So you cut it off. Right. So we have all these like interventions to cut off. And it's like, some of the, like, I mean, that kept you alive, Scout, right? Like you're going through a traumatic birth, like that kept you alive. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I should shake. I'll I should shake. shake. I should I've shake. done it before. <laughs> I should shake. No, I've done it before and it's very helpful. I've done it before. I so. have a question. Is, wait, Maddie, oh. what do you, how do you, where do you feel more most before I, cause I could talk about this all day and that's not the point of this episode. So I want to like cut myself off a little bit. Um, Maddie, where do you feel aligned in your body? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's an ongoing process, but when I think about like moments where I feel like super, super aligned, it's, and I don't know, I know they have it virtually, but it's this workout in, in LA. I think it's also in New York called The Class Yes, by Taryn Toomey. And I've told Scout about this, like Scout, you ha- next time you're in LA, like I really, really feel like we should go together because it incorporates somatic releases. And so it's all about shaking. Basically you shake, you dance, you move your body in any way. There's no judgment. Like you literally, everyone is doing it looking insane. Like everyone looks insane. You're screaming. You're like, they tell you like scream, like, ha, like literally just like getting it out. I have never felt any type of of release and and like you're sweating and it's a good workout as well, but that's really not like why I would go. It's this, yeah, again, I've never experienced that. And in other workouts, I was trying to like use sound to get out and I was like kind of embarrassed and like no one else is kind of like screaming or whatever. So, so I don't know if people can access this virtually, but this was an amazing, I can imagine is basically incorporates some of these like somatic releases. So doing those types of movements have really made me feel again, this like cathartic release almost. Yeah. I took it in San Francisco and I'm like, wait, Maddie, you're not screaming in soul cycle. Well, I am a little bit, I am a little bit, but this was like something so different. It's so different. It's so different. Oh my God. I think it's a really great introduction to people to just know that like they can release in this big way and tap into their anger and like grunt and scream and do all of these things because most of us are like, ah, I don't want to scream. Or like, we're told we can't scream. Or like, we can't tap into our anger. This isn't healthy. Don't go there. And I really loved the class because it just allowed you to see that like you can do that and it is really healthy and it feels cathartic and good. So yeah. I love it. Okay. My question I was going to say, and and then we can end, um, is orgasm a healthy discharge? That's such a good question. I would say that, well, it depends. Like if you're in fight or flight and then you go into having sex. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. 
I mean, like I would say it could be one of the things. Let me get back to you on that. Cause okay. I, <laughs> it's not, I think I, I can, I can say for me, like it's not, it's not for me because then I associate orgasm with a fighter. Like it could be different for everybody else. But for me, if like, sometimes I'll be in a whatever mood and I'll be like, well, if I orgasm, it's going to release it. And then that's just like, if I drink a glass of wine, I'll calm down kind of thing. Like it, it doesn't become like a healthy, for me specifically, yeah. the way I look at it, it doesn't become a healthy association for yeah. me. So that's what I've noticed yeah. for me. I just, I guess I just, I I see it as a release and I see it as totally. a bodily mm-hmm. function that happens. So I can imagine it could be used, uh, yeah, used in a way to healthily, Kind of like screaming, kind of like this. It's like some sort yeah. of release, but yeah, would love to. Yeah, if you can get back to me on on ways that that. I think that yeah, I yeah. think that you know, if we're talking about just the basics of no, I think I know if we're talking about the basics of releasing with like the cycle that I was talking about, you need other techniques to come in, right? So like, if you want to protect your sex life or if you have sexual assault history in that, I want to be really sensitive to this too, right? Like you don't want to attach like you being triggered in fight or flight and then releasing and having sex as a way to release because like what's, what Scout was saying, it's like, there's going to be some stickiness there and then you're going to have to work through that. And then you might get a trauma bond. And then it's totally. like, then you're going to have okay. all these things kind of happen. So as though like having sex and having an orgasm is super healthy, right? But like trying to keep right. the two separate and using other somatic releases to be able to actually release that trauma that's stored yeah. in your body. Yeah. I think in my, mm-hmm. in my, I, I thankfully have never experienced sexual assault or rape. So I think in my mind, um, cause like I think back to times where like I've orgasmed on consecutive days or like a multiple times and I feel as though my body was a lot clearer and there was, again, there was like that release. So that's why I associated the two. And that's yeah. why lately I've been like, I need to prioritize this because it could, you know, release dopamine or release some sort of um, pleasure, whatever. And and it doesn't yeah. trigger me. So that's a good caveat though. If there, if you are dealing with sexual trauma, it can have stickiness, but if you aren't, it might be a really beautiful way to get stress out or to even address other types of trauma that you've experienced. Yeah. I mean, I would like, would, I would say if you're having stress in your life and you're trying to find a way, like obviously do a different somatic exercise before you have sex. Yeah. So that okay. even though you Got don't it. have sexual trauma in your past, you're still not associating them to like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I need to have sex right now. Right. Because then mm, you get like this kind yeah. of codependency happening. I see. Right. And okay. so you want to keep them separate. Like your stuff, your sex life should be like its own separate thing and it's incredible and great. Right. But Got keeping it. your somatic and your trauma healing separate from that is really important to distinguish. Mm, okay. That's good to know. All right. Should we ask our last questions, Gal? Yes. We ask every woman who comes on OKSIS podcast this, if you could brag about one thing and don't be humble, what would you brag about? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hard. Anything. 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 I think it would be the woman that I am today after all the stuff that I've been through, like having a healthy relationship, having a healthy sex life, you know, helping other people find healing and release from trauma in their body. Like that would be my brag because I just never thought that that was attainable. I never saw anyone else do it. So I feel like that would be it. Like I'm really proud of myself. Mm. 
Mm, we're proud Thank of you. you. So, and you're such an expander for so many people listening. Like, especially going through going through trauma. If you're listening and you and you're going through trauma, um, or you need to, or you know that you've been through a very big trauma and you need help or resources, Allie, can you let us know where people can find those? Find you access to any of that. Yeah. So all social media is AllieKates.co. So that's A-L-I-K-A-T-E-S dot C-O. And then my website is www.AllieKates.co. So you can find me there. Yeah. And just DM me if you have any questions. How do you work with people through this? Is it one-on-one clients? Talk a little bit about that for anyone who's interested. Yeah. So I work one-on-one primarily with clients. I work with them in three, six or year long capacities. I also have a VIP day. So if you're like, I just want to hit this head on for like five or six hours and get some strategy, I have that option. And then a lower investment is that I have a self-paced online course that you can do as well. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Ali. Thanks so much, you guys. Okay. Bye sisters. Love you. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. 